Thank you so much. Did you notice, um, uh, so the last six weeks they brought this up for me. <laughs> now, okay, well, just time to do the work. I understand how these relationships work. I'm just... Uh, <laughs> uh, watch for that at uh, CrossNet. I'm just saying, it'll last about a week. Well, maybe, maybe four weeks. All right. Hey, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and it's uh, page 920 in your Bible, uh, if you're using one that we provide. It's so good to be here. Uh, and, uh, and Jonathan's exactly right. We're like halfway home. I'm, uh, we're the family without a state uh, because we're not officially Pennsylvania residents because we don't own a home here. And all of our stuff is on a truck. Just wanted to document. We did indeed move. Let's, there it is. Yeah. We did indeed move all of our worldly possessions. I waved goodbye on that, that uh, big panel truck there. Kind of weird, actually, when you think about it. But uh, it is good to be here. It's good to be home with you. I also want to recognize that we have some very special guests here today. We have the Bethany kids with us in the service. So if you are not usually here in this auditorium, you're usually downstairs. We want to recognize you. Stand up. We want to just see how many kids do we have. Let's welcome the kids today. And you are extremely tall. All right, so what I thought I'd do, since we do have the kids with us, when we have the kids in a, in a worship service with us, I try, usually try to do a little game or something with them. So, it, um, so and, and bribery is, I'm not above bribery, um, so I have some candy canes here, which uh, if you go to Walmart, they're on half sale now. It's like, I'm just going to start doing all my Christmas shopping after Christmas. This is, this is fantastic. But if you would uh, like, uh, if you are a, let me, let me preface this, if you are a student who is usually downstairs in children's ministry, but you are in our service today and you would like a candy cane, I would love to give you one, but you have to help me with a little illustration first. So if you want one, I want you to go to the back. Uh, Pam, would you go back there? And stand with Mrs. B in the back, and then you'll get your instructions on how to get a candy cane. We've got one brave soul. <laughs> All right, come on back. We've got several. All right. You know, this aisle isn't... Not yet. You have to go back there. I'm just, gonna, I'm just moving this because we're going to use the aisle. I'll give it back, I promise. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, this is more than I thought. Okay. <laughs> this is out of control. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. We're going to use the center aisle. This is, this is big stuff. Okay. So kind of gather up in a line so you can come down the aisle. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just too much. Here you go. You can... <laughs> All right, yeah. I feel the same way every time I preach. Okay, um, so, this is, so when I was a kid, there was a game that we used to play um, that was called um, Red Light, Green Light, okay? So you, you guys, you kids in the back, do you know how to play Red Light, Green Light? Yeah. You do, okay, good, because it's been so many years. So, um, so when, when the person standing at the front says red light, what do you do? Stop. Oh, you stop. Okay. And, and, and then green light is? 
Go. Okay. Oh, I think you got this. Okay. Now, now we're in church, so we have to walk, but, we, but you know how that is. It's full. Uh, that's, that's fine. You can walk away. Now, I'm going to say everybody's going to get a candy cane, so it's really not who wins, so don't kill anybody trying to get down the aisle. Just, just, just chill. But what we're going, this is actually an illustration of the message that I'm going to preach out of Acts 16, because in Acts chapter 16, there, take care of this one, yes. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, um, God told the apostle Paul, go a couple of times, and he told him stop, and that created a lot of confusion for the Apostle Paul, kind of like what we're about to experience momentarily. Okay, so you guys stay right there, okay? And uh, I'm going to say uh, uh, either red light or green light, and when you do, you can kind of walk briskly in my direction towards this delicious basket of candy canes, okay? All right, let's try, let's just, let's just practice here a little bit, okay? Green light. Okay, you need to do better, quicker than that. Well, we'll... okay, red light. All right, all right, good, good. Green light. Oh, the boys, I can do that. Red light, red light, red light. Red light, get back there, get back there. Whose is he? Huh? All right, all right, you're doing good. Green light, red light. Green light. All right, let's try it one more time. Everyone go to the back. That was good. Now, for the rest of us, have you ever gotten into an experience in which you knew for sure what God was up to? I mean, he had revealed it to you in a pretty substantial way, either through circumstances or the impression of, a, of your heart, and you went in that direction, and all of a sudden he said, stop. You ever have that? Or there was a situation in which you're like, no way that God wants me to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. And yet it was. And so, all right, green light, red light, green light, red light. You guys are good. Yeah, really good. See, they, they, they do learn things. Green light, red light, green light, high five. All right, good job. You guys go, Mrs. B, it'll be in the back, and you can get, yeah, you think I'm there. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 16, what we're going to do, and you guys are free to uh, indulge in that candy cane during the, during the message if you'd like, because this is what we do at Bethany. We sugar up your kids and we send them home <laughs> with the love of Jesus. Okay. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to read this passage and we're going to look at the red lights and the green lights that God was up to. Acts chapter 16, and we'll begin in verse 6. So this is the story. The Apostle Paul was, was on his uh, first missionary journey, and he went all throughout what we call Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And he went places preaching the gospel and starting churches. And then after that, that kind of uh, tour of, of preaching... He went back to his home church in Antioch, and he reported, and then he, after he was there for a while, said, hey, let's go back and see what's up with the churches that we started. And so he began to do the same, run the same trail over again, and, and he was preaching and greeting the saints and, and uh, connecting with them. That brings us right here to this verse. 
Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. All right, so are we here? Is this a no or a go? What is it? It's a no. Now, what's, what's going on here? Okay, the Apostle Paul had already preached to these people, and he knew that they needed encouragement. He knew that he couldn't leave them alone. In fact, two-thirds of our New Testament was written to these churches. So why would God not want Paul to go to, into Asia? And here's our, our, little, our little map example here. So Asia, over there, Ephesus, was a place where he had preached and, and, and would eventually get to again. But for whatever reason, God said no and directed him in a different direction. Um, it just didn't seem to make any sense. Notice uh, back in that, that verse, who, uh, who stopped Paul? It says the Holy Spirit. Now, I wonder how that worked. We really don't know. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit uh, gives you a strong internal uh, impression. Um, sometimes... Uh, there are circumstances or obstacles. Sometimes it's sickness. Uh, as we'll see later on in this passage, a vision, the still small voice, maybe a gut feeling. We just don't know. But somehow, the Holy Spirit communicated to Paul, not there, not now. Let's move on in our second. Verse 7, then coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there, so instead they went on through Mysia to a seaport of Troas. All right, so what's going on here? Well, Paul wanted to go into Bithynia. Now, Bithynia was a place where the gospel had not been preached. Do you think there were people in, in Bithynia that needed to hear the gospel? Absolutely. Was Paul's desire to go there a good thing? Sure it was. But this time, who stopped him? It was a, the Spirit of Jesus. Wow, that's intriguing. Is that different than the Holy Spirit? We'll have to explore that at another time, which is a fancy way of saying I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what happened, was this, a, was this a, a no or a go? It was a second no. All right? So Paul's heads begin to feel like a ping pong ball at this point, right? Everywhere I go, the Spirit is saying no. And so I, I tried to go into, into Asia Minor. He said, no, now I'm trying to go north. No, and he ends up at Troas. Well, Troas is a pretty big port city. It certainly needs the gospel. So I'll settle in here, and, and I'll preach here. Well, we're not done. Verse 9, that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided, and it's interesting, um, the King James says we assuredly gathered, which is kind of a, a Greek phrase for we put two and two together. Okay, we've had no, no, no. Now this is apparently a yes. So come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So do we have a no or a go? We've got a go on this one. All right, we've got the green light. And so Paul traveled with his, 
his missionary team across the, uh, the, the Aegean Sea and began a ministry in Macedonia. It's the gospel crossing from Asia into Europe. Now, Bible scholars and theologians and historians say this was the watershed moment in human history because you think of the impact that the gospel has had in Western Europe. Of course, we'll never know. It's an argument from silence. What would have happened if Paul had not gone into Europe? Well, you know, if there hadn't been Europe, then it wouldn't, they wouldn't have uh, gotten to Italy. If he hadn't gotten to Italy, Christianity wouldn't have gotten spread through the Roman Empire. If, the Ro- if, the Roman em- if Christianity hadn't gotten into the Roman Empire, then it probably wouldn't have gotten to England uh, and to English-speaking people. And, and on and on you ride that. For, for, you ride that long enough, and you wouldn't be in Lancaster County today, Right? If it hadn't been for the Apostle Paul following the Lord, you wouldn't be a believer today, arguably, if Paul hadn't gone to Europe. In fact, I've heard some people go even further and say, instead of us sending missionaries to Asia, Asia would be sending missionaries to us because of this watershed moment. So God has an amazing way of saying yes and saying no. The thing is, is that when he says no, it sometimes brings confusion, it brings pain, it brings misunderstanding, because we just don't know, we thought we knew what was going on. So 18 years ago, I left Boyertown, Pennsylvania to go to to Virginia, to, to Bristow, Virginia, and began a ministry there at Grace Life Community Church. Now, this past year, God opened a new door for us, and we're returning to Pennsylvania. I would have never called that. Um, Six years ago, Grant and Emily started their ministry here, Um, and now God has moved them to New Holland. I'm a little bit bitter because you get to stay in your house. You know, I don't know how you pulled that off, Lord, but, uh, you know, does God have the right to change our plans? He does. He does. Now, there's actually two kind of extremes that happen. There are some people who believe and, uh, uh, that God doesn't really care what you do. So we'll put this over here. And, so, uh, and, and uh, this uh, a, uh, a quote from Charles Swindoll probably 20 years ago. It's probably taken a little bit out of context, but people, it's, it's this. It's, it's love God and do what you want. Okay. In other words, if you love God with all your heart and you're aligned with him, he has a moral code. He has, you know, obviously, you know, all the things you want to be in the will of God, uh, give thanks, uh, you know, obey uh, um, his commands, you'll be okay. And that's kind of one extreme. Over here, on the other extreme, are people who kind of obsess over what is the will of God, what is the will of God, what is the will of God, which is probably the rest of the church, because whenever you have a, a, a seminar or a series or a Sunday school class on discovering the will of God, it's always filled. But some people, you know, get really like, oh man, should I have put these socks on today? These are a little bit crazy for Lancaster County. You know, Lord, you know, should I, should I, should I, should I do that? Uh, oh man, Big Mac or Whopper? Lord, what, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, and of course, if you eat a Big Mac, you know, it's, it's got to be Whopper all the way. I'm just saying. But 
It's like, so there's kind of these two extremes that people get caught up into. And I fall kind of in the middle of this, is that God has given us a brain, right? And we can use it, and we can make sanctified decisions because we have the mind of Christ. Absolutely. So in the day-to-day decisions like that, I don't necessarily get all wrapped around the axle, but I do believe that God does direct us in kingdom ministry. And God has a plan. And so we've got to be aligned with what God is doing. And God is capable of showing us what his will is. And that is an amazing thing. Well, so here's the question then. If, if, uh, if God knows what he's doing, and he has a kingdom plan, and it is unfolding here at Bethany Grace Fellowship, and he has a kingdom plan for you, specific things, uh, Ephesians 2.10 good works that have been prepared in advance for you to do since the foundation of the world. God knows exactly what it is. Why doesn't he tell us clearly? Why not? Just tell me. I do it. Right? And we often feel that way. Especially if we have been caught in a situation where we were convinced that God was calling in this way and the results were disastrous or less than we... And then we get to second-guessing. Did I hear him right? And, and all of these things kind of unfold. Now, I don't have the answer to that per se. But I do have a concept which has really helped me, and I just want to share it with you. In sailing, not that I sail... There's a thing called tacking, okay? And so what it is is uh, uh, when you want to sail in a certain direction, but the prevailing wind is going the opposite, you know, like, okay, I've got a sailboat. I don't have a motor, nothing. So, and I'm trying to get to that point, but the wind is coming directly in my face. How are you going to get a sailboat to do that? Well, what I understand they do, and I've seen done, is they set their sail and they go at an angle to a different trajectory and they turn the sail to catch that bit of wind and they turn the tiller hard and they sail and they can actually sail against the prevailing blow of the wind to a certain point. And then they have to turn and they have to go the other direction to get to where they're going. And what I have discovered in my own life is that God often uses tacting in my life to get me from point A to point B. So he's not really trying to get us from point A to point B. He's trying to get us from point A to point D, right? So he tells us, go there, and you go there. It's like, that's not it. Well, God did not let you down. He led you to precisely where he wanted you to take you to the next point. Now, we can discuss why is it that God does that way, and I think a significant answer to that is if he told you where he was going to lead you, you probably wouldn't go, right? I mean, how many of you would have had kids if you knew they were going to turn into teenagers, right? I mean, I didn't know. I just had, I'm just kidding. I have great teenagers, most of them. But seriously, I mean, the, the, the point is that, is that none of us are up for the task that God has for us, right? We're just not. And so God's priority for us is not in the will of God, is not clarity. His priority for us is relationship. 
That's the thing you write down, if you're going to write the thing down on that, on that page. God's priority for you in discovering and doing his will is not clarity, it's relationship. He wants to walk with you every step of the way. Now, most of us have had the experience of God blessing a plan and us leaving him in the dust. In fact, we, uh, we get involved in, oh, now I know what God's up to. And his plan, our, his plan becomes our plan. And we, and we you know, there's this, in the book of James, there's this, this really, this great passage. It says, you say you're going to go do this and this and this. What you ought to say is what? If the Lord wills. So God holds the trump card for your life. Oh, we don't play cards, do we? We're okay, okay. God holds the key. He holds the pencil. He holds, he holds it all, right? And so I think that what God is doing in my life and perhaps in your life as well, when things are, when we lack clarity in understanding what God is up to, it's that he wants us close by his side. And if he just told us where, to, where, we, where we were going, uh, most men would just go there. Would you, right, right, Craig? We would just go. And instead, he says, no, 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 no. The point is walk with me. And so you're saying, okay, what, what is your, the, the point of, of the message? I'll give you the point here. Here it is. God doesn't provide us with a map, but God does provide us with a guide. He provides us with a guide. You think of the difference between a map and a guide. You're going to climb up uh, Mount Rainier or uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever. It's like, I have a map which tells me exactly where to go. Would you rather have a map or a guide? Well, I'd rather have a guide because I can read the map wrong, but if I'm following the guide, okay, we may end up in trouble, but at least he led me there, right? I've got someone who knows the mountain. God doesn't provide us with a map. He provides us with a guide. Let's just, 1 Samuel chapter 16, you think of David uh, or Samuel looking to anoint David. God could have said to Samuel, I'm going to send you to Jesse's house. It's his last son who's out in the field. Anoint him. Is that the way God handled it? No. You just go, and I'll show you who to anoint. So Samuel gets in this really uncomfortable situation where he's just about to anoint Eliab, his eldest son, because surely this is the king, and God says, eh. And then there's son two, eh, 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 eh. Seven ants later, he's out of sons. What's God doing there? Well, he's teaching his prophet, just listen to me. Be dependent on me. Walk with me. And even in this kind of awkward situation, I'll guide you. Uh, David, later on, Sam, Sam talked about this a couple of, a couple of weeks ago in, in the first of the Christmas series. David wanted to build the temple for the Lord. It, was that God's will? Well, no. Was it a good thing? Absolutely it was a good thing. Was it God's ultimate desire to, to, to manifest himself in a temple? Yes, it was. But
But David wasn't the person. Solomon was. And so David ran down that rabbit trail quite a ways before God said no. Well, David, you're my servant. And I'm saying no. And of course, there were some really good reasons for that. Luke chapter 8. Um, Jesus lands in a town, and a very prominent man called Jairus' daughter was very sick. He was a synagogue leader, right? He said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Please come. Please come and heal her. And so Jesus goes and goes to heal uh, this daughter. He goes towards, towards Jairus' house. And there's a woman who has had a bleeding issue for 12 years. And she comes, you know the story, and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be, I'll be healed. Of course, the crowd's milling around, and, and she touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed, and Jesus stops the bus. Who touched me? His disciples are like, you're in a crowded people. I, if, you, if you've ever been to the, the, the Near East, it's like, mob scene. <laughs> Who touched you? What kind of a question? And, and you, can, you can see the, the, the type A analytics saying, Jesus, the daughter's dying. Come on, let's go. But Jesus changed priorities right in the midst of it. And you know what? His disciples just had to chill. Well, I guess God really does have the, Jesus does have the program here. We're just going to have to wait. And in that case, he healed the woman, and he went, and he raised the girl from the dead. He did both. But one more instance, Mark chapter 6. Jesus says to his disciples, we've been pushing pretty hard. Let's, we're going to take a break. So he loaded them all in a boat, and they went across the Sea of Galilee, and they were going to take a break. You can just see the disciples already. Man, this is going to be so good. Christmas break is going to be so good. It's going to be so long. Nice. Going to have a time. And they get out of the boat, and there's a mob scene of people. People who need to be healed. People who need to, need to hear the, the gospel of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus puts the whole show on hold. And you know what happens that next? It's the feeding of the 5,000, this hallmark of Jesus' ministry. If I were like, um, what, Jesus, the reservation, the, the bus is just about ready to leave for the resort, what should we do? God, we made a plan. Can, can we just, can you just, it sounds weird. God, could you just hold to your plan? No, 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 I am holding to my plan. And in that case, the feeding of the 5,000 happened, and the disciples never did get their break. So what was going on? Well, again, it's this idea of relationship and intimacy with God, learning to trust and walk with him. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that God is arbitrary and that he'd just do whatever he wants just to yank your chain. No. There is a plan. There is a larger plan and purpose. Isaiah says, my ways are not your ways, neither are your thoughts my, my thoughts, says the Lord. The Lord's ways are higher. And we, as children of God, need to uh, maintain a posture of humility, of compliance, 
of rest in what God has. God doesn't provide a map, but he does provide a guide. And so, Grant and Emily, I've been thinking a lot about you guys and myself (laughs) as we loaded the van and headed north. I don't know why God always does the things that he does the way he does, but I do know that you guys are committed to following him with your whole heart and that God has amazing things for you. And I believe the same thing as we enter into a new year, that God has amazing things in store for Bethany Grace Fellowship. Why? Do we know where he's going? Please don't ask me that. I don't know where he's going, but I am committed, and I know you are as a church, and the elders are. We are committed to following him step by step by step. And as we do, his will unfolds, and we begin, and we're part of an adventure which is so much greater than anything we could ever have anticipated because God is guiding us step by step. Now, there's some among us who say, wow, that sounds so awesome. I have never experienced anything like that in my life, and I think I've been walking with Christ for a really long time. Well, in the new year, we're going to be be engaging uh, the elders and I in a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about what does it mean to walk with Christ? What does that look like? And we'll be looking at examples like this and then the clear teaching of Scripture because God has given us a resource. It is possible for us to walk with God day by day in which we learn to hear His voice and follow. And it's the most amazing adventure you could ever experience. Maybe there's some among us who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, If that's the case, then nothing that I've set up until this point applies to you because the Holy Spirit doesn't live within. But I can tell you what, God wants to begin a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to take the penalty for our sins so we could have life eternal, be given a new heart, and walk with him. I tell you what, that is God's will for you in 2020. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this amazingly simple story in which you took the Apostle Paul, the, the big guy, the, the one who, who, uh, who followed you and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and, you, and you, you said no and no and yes, and you never told him why, but he was faithful to follow you. Lord, may we be faithful to follow you in 2020. So, Lord, as your people here at Bethany, at the end of 2019, we say, Lord, we will follow you with our whole heart close by your side. Lord, just continue to lead us. For we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.